Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Happy New Year, Coastline Church. How y'all doing? Everybody give it up for Erica and her great announcements. Thank you. Thank you. I feel highly informed. Do you? I do. I missed one, though. Although, we're matching today. Yeah. Yep. Got our New Year's blacks on. TJ, Kayla, we're all, we all got. You guys having a good New Year season so far? Yeah? Doing well? Um... You know, I, uh, I think it's funny. We, um, Erica made the joke that I make every year of this year, if you're coming here, this is the first uh, service of the year. You've got 100% attendance, right? You've gone to church every day this year so far. She took my joke away from me, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's funny. We went from uh, Christmas Eve, uh, which we had something like 350 people come to church on Christmas Eve, which is a big deal, uh, to today uh, where... I think we got a lot of people watching online, huh? All, all my church peeps watching online, how's it going? Happy New Year. Hope you guys are doing okay. We're going to get things real loud for you so you'll love it. No, I'm just kidding. I hope everybody had a fun, safe New Year's Eve uh, hangouts with family and friends. Uh, today I'm excited because uh, this is the, the first sermon I'm going to preach of the year 2023. Uh, you know, I remember uh, I graduated 20 years ago now in, in 2003 uh, I graduated, and I would have never thought that after 20 years, this is where I would, this is where I would be. I guarantee you, my mom definitely didn't think this is where I would be because in 20, in 2003, I was, I was, I was doing some rough stuff. Um, but, but this week, as we get into this, this new season, this, this new year, uh, I wanted to kick it off uh, with a, a brand new collection of talks. Uh, but before I get to it, I felt like. Uh, this past week as I was preparing for this message, as I've been preparing for this next year of what, what's the theme of the year, what's the thing that I feel like God's calling us to or, or, or God's charging us with, uh, I felt like he kept telling me uh, if, if it were to be broken down into just one word that this is going to be the year of breakthrough. Breakthrough. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> the way he gave it to me was actually a pretty cool visual, visualization. Is anywhere like NASCAR? We got like three people that like NASCAR. That's great. Um, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I love NASCAR. Actually, uh, she's not here. Erica's not here. Uh, She walked to the back. But uh, when I first met Erica, Erica worked for NASCAR, and she like knew NASCAR inside and out. Like I would ask her, I was like, okay, uh, what what car is uh, number 21? And she would rattle it off. She would tell me who the sponsor was for this next race coming up and who the owner of the team was. Like she, like you can, you can even ask her today, like she knows more NASCAR, like she might look up, she gets up here and she looks like a very classy lady, that lady is redneck through and through, I'm going to tell you right now, country girl. Um, And so for me, when I like met her, I was like, oh yeah, this is it, this is the one, easy breezy. And so one of the passions that Eric and I share together is we watch NASCAR, uh, we, you know, we try to get after church on Sunday, we try to drive home and, and, uh, and watch it, maybe have a nap in between the, the hundred laps or whatever in between the beginning and the end, uh, but we, we try to follow it pretty closely. And 
This past year, there was a, uh, a driver that we really liked. We've liked him for a couple years now, but uh, is, a, is a man by the name of Ross Chastain. And the reason why Ross Chastain is an important name for you to know is because one, Ross Chastain is a Floridian. He's a Florida boy. Also, he is a watermelon farmer. Isn't he like fifth generation, Chris, or something like that? Fifth, fourth or fifth generation water, watermelon farmer in Florida, right? And they call him the watermelon man. And, um, but there was a crazy race that happened uh, one or two races before the championship this past NASCAR season in which Ross Chastain is he's in, in the middle of the pack, and he's just got to get up a couple, more, a couple more places. And if he can get up a couple more places in the next two or three laps before the race ends, he gets into the championship. The problem is the guys he's around, he's just stuck. He goes lap after lap after lap, and nothing changes. Nothing gets to a place where he can't. He just, he's in the rhythm of the race that he's in, and he can't break through. And so it came down to the, the very last lap, and it, you can YouTube, this was, a, it was actually a really cool thing to watch, but Ross Chastain did this, they called it the move of the century. And rather than just going in, in through the rhythm of what everyone else was doing, on the last turn of the last lap, he floored the pedal to the metal, when you're supposed to be slowing down into a turn, he just floored it, and he broke through the rhythm of what everyone else was doing. And it looked like something out of like a movie or, a, or of a, uh, a video game. He rode the wall all the way around and passed like, 10, passed like 10 spots, 10 cars, and got in just in enough time to make the championship. They called it the move of the century. And for me, I felt like when God was telling me breakthrough, I felt like he was... He was using that as a visual. He was saying, hey, Brian, it's, you know, everyone, we're all getting in the same rhythm. We're all getting in this, we're going lap after lap after lap, and we can't figure out what's got to change. Something's got to change. We can't move up. We can't move back. We're just stuck in this rhythm. And I felt like he was telling me, he said, Brian, it's time in Volusia County for there to be a breakthrough. It's time to put pedal to the metal and get through that rhythm and break into what I've got you called and charged for. And so, Coastline, that's what my hope is for this year of 2023. This is what my hope is for your family. If you feel like you're in a place where you're like stagnant or things are just going through the same rhythm, you can't just bust out. I want to tell you, I feel like we're going to a season of breakthrough. And that's what I'm calling. That's what I'm hoping for and praying over your family and your life here this week. I'm going to jump. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump into the message. You guys okay with it so far? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this next year. I thank you for what you've done in 2022. I thank you for that year is behind us. But God, as we step forward into this, this next year, this new season, I pray that we would do things differently. I pray that we wouldn't get stuck in the rhythm of what we've been in for these past years or couple years. I pray that your Holy Spirit would go before us and as we continue to choose you, as we continue to, to live out our actions like someone who follows you, I pray that you would help us to break through, to get forward to go around the things, the obstacles that are keeping us from getting to where you've called us to. I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us. I pray that in this message that you've given me, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help me communicate it better than what I could about on my own. I pray that you would teach me something, and I pray that you teach us something, and I thank you so much for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said, amen. Amen. So today I want to start a new series <clears throat> that we've entitled A Better way. Look at your neighbor and say a better way. 
a better way. I can't see it on the screen, and I don't want to fall off all there, but there's a tagline on it. You see what the tagline says? Tagline says, New Year, same you, right? New Year, same you. When I told TJ I wanted to do this as a tagline, he was like, he's like, man, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. It's supposed to be New Year, new you, right? Anybody heard that before? A couple of people have heard it. It's a new year, it's new you, right? Uh, we're going to see it for the next probably like three weeks as people get back into the gym, right? They're going to go into the gym and they're going to work, they're going to buy like all this new like workout clothes and stuff like that, the gym shark stuff. They don't make that in 3XL for me, unfortunately. I was trying to find a nice little like unitard to go to the gym in. But they're going to they're gonna post pictures of working out and say, oh, new year, new me. Super excited, super pumped. People are going to start eating clean. They're going to be taking pictures of like steamed broccoli and a tall glass of water. Like, oh, this dinner is so good. New year, new me. Right? You know, we're all laughing because this is so, so incredibly true. And the gyms are going to be packed for like three weeks. And then it's going to go back to how things were pre-December. Right? Because people get stuck in the rhythm of life. And it's just one of those things. I love the new year because the idea of, like, of having a new you, that's what we all want. We want things to change. We want things to drastically adjust. But when I started thinking about this, I realized, you know, the truth of the matter is, is God, God doesn't love a new you. He doesn't love you in a, in a different way. He doesn't love you differently if you do different things. He loves the old you. He loves the you that you are right now. Before you've put on the Gymshark stuff and started to post pictures on Instagram of, of doing yoga again or something like that. He loves the you for who you are right now. He just, he just wants to spend more time with that. He wants to spend more time with you. And so if today, my, my hope is that, that we can see through what Jesus says and through Jesus' actions, how, how can we not just, not, not go for the next three weeks or a couple weeks of, of trying to find a new us, not, not a new year, new me, but can we just figure out a way to, can we figure out a way to live life maybe a better way? Maybe a better way than what we've been doing the past 12 months Maybe it's the same us, the same, our, our identity doesn't change. There's not this drastic thing that we go and do and add to our lives, this com new commitment we've got to make. Maybe it's just one of these things where we figure out there's a different rhythm, there's something else we can do. There's a better way to live life than what we've been living it. And I think a lot of it has to do with just our actions, the way that we live. For the first verse I want to read in this New year of 2023 comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 1 to 2. If you've got a Bible, you can pull it open. Uh, you can pull it open on the Bible app if you want to. It's also, I think, on the Church Center app. Um, you know, here at Coastline, we're, we use technology all the time, you know, and so if you want to pull open your phone and stuff like that and look at it, um, I'm not going to, like, judge you or anything like that, okay? Um, if you're scrolling Facebook, the Holy Spirit's going to tell me, and I'm going to call you out in front of everyone. I'm just kidding. That's not going to happen at all. You can, if you need to do that, you can do that too. But the first verse I want to read is John 14, verse 1. And this is, this is one of my hope and prayers for you today. Jesus says, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God 
and trust in me also. Jesus is saying, he's, he's telling us, he's talking to his disciples. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. For whatever you're going through, whatever rhythm that you're stuck in right now, or you feel like this past year you've been stuck in, and you're hoping for a new you to come along, for you to bust out of that rhythm, I think the first step that we've got to do is we've got to put our, put our hearts and our trust into him and him alone. He goes on, he's communicating to the disciples. He says, there's more than enough room in my father's house. He's talking about the future, the place he's going to prepare. He says, if, the, if there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? In verse 3, it says, and when everything is ready, it says, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me wherever I am and know the way to where I am going. Verse 5, Thomas comes in. Thomas was one of the disciples, and they, uh, they called Thomas a doubter. He had always had questions. He didn't believe everything. He wasn't a go-with-the-flow type of guy. He says, no, we don't know, Lord. He says, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Thomas is saying, he said, man, we feel lost. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know where you're going to, Jesus. How can we find the way? I, I, I think sometimes in our own lives we can feel that same way. If, if we can just be transparent for a minute, I know we're, we're all Christians. We all came to church on the first, uh, the first service of the new year. But can I be honest for a second? There's times in which even in my own life that I sit in my quiet time and I say, God, I, I, don't, I don't know where you're taking me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what's next. I feel like I, I'm kind of getting stuck in, in the rhythm and the, the circular motion, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to break through. I don't know how to find a, a, better, a better way. As a pastor, I can tell you that that's, that's an okay feeling to feel. That just means you're human. That means that you're continuing to grow spiritually as a follower of Christ if you feel that way. The way Jesus responds, though, as Thomas says, how can we know what way to go? What's the way? He says in uh, verse 6, Jesus told, tells him, he says, he says, I'm the way. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except, except through me. Jesus looks at him and says, man, you've been following me for these years. You've seen how I've lived. You know who I am. He says, I'm the way. If you want to figure out how to, 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 to bust out of, of whatever rhythm that you're stuck in, there, the circular motion that's going on with your life, with your family, or with your job, maybe with your, your spouse or your relationship, I, I think the first thing that we've got to understand is, is when we try to figure out what the way out is, I think we've got to look to him. Now, he doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say to Thomas, he says, you've got to look at the law. You've got to look and see what the Torah says. You've got to memorize the Torah. I think sometimes we, we get caught up as, as, as Christians. We think, man, we gotta, we got to know the Bible inside and out. we got to study the Bible. we got to memorize the Bible. And I think these are things that we should be doing. But I don't think that's the thing that, that Jesus says will change everything. You can have all the knowledge of all that stuff, and it still might not change you. But the thing that can help you break through, the thing that can help you, the thing that is a better way is to follow him. And what Jesus is telling Thomas, he's talking about, he said, man, you saw the way that I lived. 
you saw what I did. You saw what I did when it came to the people with leprosy that no one would touch, that no one would talk to, that people went away from. You saw that I went over and I loved on them and I gave them time and it helped them. You saw when people were, were coming after me and, and trying, to, trying to call me out for doing things that I wasn't doing. You didn't see me get mad. You didn't see me go fisticuffs with anybody. You saw me love on people and be compassionate. When, when they brought, when, when they brought the, the woman caught in adultery before Jesus, he didn't turn around and be judgmental as well. She was caught. It was, our, it was something that had happened. He didn't say, well, she gets what she gets because she's, that's choices she's made. No, he showed her compassion and mercy. He says to Thomas, he's like, look at the way that I've lived. This is the way. Coach, I feel like the, the one thing that you need to get out of today is this, is when it comes to being a Christian, it's not about what you know, it's about what you do. Jesus told his disciples, says, new commandment, I give you love one another. And by the way that you love one another, everyone will know who I am. It wasn't by the verses that you, that you memorized. It wasn't by the coastline sticker you had on the back of your car or the new cool coastline sweatshirt that's in the lobby on sale for $30. He said it wasn't about that. He says, I'm the way, the way that I live, follow Follow me. You know, um, <clears throat> the first century of, of the early church, before, way before Coastline was around, way back in the day, churches weren't called churches. And even before it was called like an ecclesia or anything like that, it was, before it was any of that, the people that were followers of Jesus, they didn't have the Bible to follow. They didn't have like a 10-step program or anything like that. The only thing that they had was the memories and the stories they told of what Jesus had done. And that group of people, this was in, in the very first century of, the, of what would be the church, that group of people, they were called the way. That was literally the name. People thought they were a cult. People thought they were crazy. They were persecuted because they were, they were doing things different than what the old law had said. But they were called the way because they were following the way that Jesus lived. I feel like sometimes as, as a church, we've gotten off, off of what the, the thing that we're supposed to do is. It turns into, Christianity now turns into check marks of, I'm in a circle group. I go to church. I serve. But what Jesus says is, he says, live like I lived. Love the people around you. Be compassionate. Be nice. Be generous. I feel like for us, we've got to make this shift to, to, to get out of the rhythm we're stuck in. We've got to take action and live like Jesus lived. Matthew 11, verse 28 says this. He says, Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because, I'm, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, 
For my yoke is easy to bear, and burden I give you is light. Now, if you didn't grow up around church, when you hear me talk about yoke, you're thinking, what, what does breakfast have to do with this, Jesus? I don't get it. All of a sudden, everybody wants to go to the Wake Up Cafe, right? Get that NSB Cuda bowl. I just got really hungry. I haven't had breakfast yet. Jesus, when he's talking to people, when he's, when he's teaching people, he uses things that, illustration of things that they would understand what he's talking about. Now, I wish I would have put a picture of it, but a yoke in those days was something that you put on the shoulder of an ox so that he would pull a cart or pull a plow, pull something that was heavy. But when it came to a yoke, a yoke, it would, the, the, the cool thing about it, a yoke was never something that, that you just put on one ox or one horse or, or one mule. It was something that you put on two. And so it, it, there's this crazy scientific thing that I wish I could explain better, that when you, when you put this yoke on, on two ox or, or two horses to pull, you would think that they, can, they could pull twice the weight of what one horse could. But what you find out is actually that, that they can pull up to like three and four times the amount. We'll hear about this in, in months to come when we talk about community, but I got a great friend, Joe Hersher. He was actually the one narrating uh, Christmas uh, for our, our, kids, uh, our, our kids' play that we did. And he, him and his wife, they run these huge draft horses up in Mackinac Island. These things are thousands of pounds. But when I talked about it, he says, man, it's true. He said, you put two of them together, and they can pull way more than one person can pull. So Jesus is telling them, he said, when it comes to the things that, that are create, making you tired, one of the things that are, that are making you weary and stressed out, he says, come to me. He said, because the yoke I have, what I'm going to put on you, you don't have to pull it alone. I feel like for a second I got to talk to some people in the room. I don't, I don't know who it is, but maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you now, but you've been going through life and, and you're stuck in something and you don't know how to get out of it. It might be a tough situation in your marriage. It might be, it might be a tough job. It might just be a, an emotional stress or um, situation that you're dealing with. And part of the thing that you're, you're struggling with is it's something that you've just been holding on to by yourself. Maybe you've been talking to a friend about it or something like that. But I think ultimately what you need to hear this morning is that part of what you need to do is you need to bring that to Jesus. You need to spend some time in prayer, and it doesn't have to be this eloquent thing. You just need to say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, Jesus. This is what I'm dealing with. Can you help me get through it? Will you show me the way to get around it, the way to break through what I'm going through? He wants to be a part of what you're de dealing with. Jesus says, I want to help you. You're not alone. I think the next thing that we need for this uh, new year, the thing that we, that we need to to experience a, a breakthrough is not to just think about what we're in today. I think, I think we need to be thinking about what is going to be happening in the next weeks and months to come. 
You know, they interviewed Ross Chastain, the watermelon man, after his race. They said, like, when did you know you were going to do that? He said, well, I had thought about it a few laps before, but I didn't really know if it could happen. It was something he had in, had in his mind. He just he's, wasn't ready to execute it yet. He had a little bit of a plan. As Eric and I sat down this, uh, it was actually just a couple days ago, we sat around a little bonfire and we started talking about this next year. One of the things that Erica loves to do is she loves to travel. That's like the exact opposite of what I love to do, which is stay at home. Big homebody guy. But since she loves to travel, we make sure and every year we plan, try to plan trips so that we do some traveling. Obviously, the past few years, COVID has kind of put a kibosh on that a little bit, kind of stinks, but... So this next year, we got a couple trips planned. We're planning to go on a, a couple conferences, some, some preaching conferences and retreats, which we're excited about. And every year, we pick a family summer trip to go on. Last year, we went to this uh, far distant land of Homosassa, Florida, which is like an hour and a half away or something. But as we sat there and talked, we are like, man, there's so much stuff going on. Like, we got to start putting a plan together now. And, and quickly, like within maybe 10, 20 minutes, not only had we like filled up this year of what we've got going on in life, but we're already into next year. And it's like one of these things of like, man, if, if we would have just waited and allow this stuff to pile on us and deal with it while it was happening, man, we would be up a creek. We got to make a plan for, for the future. We got to look ahead. I think what we do today, the things that we surrender today to God, I think has an effect on what we hold in the future. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 9. He says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not, for the, is not fit for the kingdom of God. I want to challenge you with this coastline of, you know what, in 2022, you might have done some stuff that you're not proud of. Maybe you didn't get things done that you wanted to get done. Maybe some things happened to you that, that you wish hadn't happened to you. But, but I want to tell you that if you want to experience breakthrough, if, if you want to experience a better way, part of following Jesus, part of living life in the actions that, doing the actions that he took means we don't look back and feel sorry or sad or shameful. Part of it is we got to give it up and say, I'm looking ahead for what you have for me, Jesus. All that stuff, I, I might have messed up, but as I confess it to you and as I surrender it to you, it's all under the blood. I wish that hadn't happened to me. I wish that person hadn't hurt me. But Jesus, you know my hurt, and I'm going to surrender it to you. You show me what's ahead. I guarantee you when Ross Chastain was passing those cars on that wall, he was literally like on the wall. He wasn't looking in his mirror caring about who was behind him. He was looking ahead. Today as we come to a close, I want to 
leave us with two things. These are two things that, um, well, the first one is not one that, something we've actually talked about in a, in a very long time. I don't know if I've ever preached about it, um, but I'm, I'm, starting, I'm prepper, uh, prepping to preach on it this next week. But as Eric and I sat down and started playing out the next few months, I realized, like, what we do now has an effect on what's going to happen in the, here in the future. And so we felt like it was important for us as a church to take a step forward and do something now that in the spiritual would set us up for whatever God had us for in the future. And so starting not this Monday, but next Monday, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it a little bit over the weekend, and I'm going to uh, talk about it a lot on next Sunday. But starting on next Tuesday, next Monday, we're going to challenge and charge the church with doing a, a church-wide fast. Now, fast is a churchy word that people don't know, really know what, what it means, and, and it might, might be foreign to you. And I want to tell you that's okay to feel that way. It's a little bit different. But a fast is simply, it's a, it's a biblical concept. It's a biblical idea of things that happened in the Old, this happened in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament in which we take things out of our lives. We, 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 we pull them, we sacrifice them from our life and we use that time we would use for it to continue to pursue God. Fast in the Bible, they lasted a day, they've lasted seven days, 21 days, 40 days. For our church, we're gonna challenge everyone to do a, a 21-day fast. Next Monday through the end of January. And what I'm gonna do is something called the Daniel Fast. It's just where I, I'm only gonna eat fruits and vegetables for 21 days. There's some other things I'm gonna pull out of my life as well. But the hope would be, or the, the idea is that is when you feel that desire to do or want, you use that time to pursue God instead. So for some people, it might be a thing where you, maybe you fast social media for 21 days. And maybe when you go to pick up your phone and look at social media, that's, that's the thing that says, hey, you know what? I said I was going to give this up for 21 days, and I said I was going to use this time to pursue God. And so for maybe the next 15 minutes, I would look at my phone, I'm going to pull open my Bible app, or I'm going to spend some time in prayer. Maybe it's one of those things where you say you're going to fast a meal or something. Maybe during your lunch break, instead of you know, going to Chick-fil-A or whatever and having Christian chicken, maybe you go spend some time at a park praying and pursuing God. Some people are like, well, Brian, I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to fast taking out the trash. I'm going to fast. If I, I'm just, at the time I would use to wash the dishes normally, I'm just going to pray. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Otherwise, if you do that, husbands, I'm pretty sure your wife's going to let you meet Jesus a whole lot sooner than what you would want. But I think for what 2023 has to offer. I feel like for what God is about ready to do and 
and the breakthrough that I'm that I feel like he's he's charged me with here in the near future. I think what we do now in this in these weeks matters a lot in the spiritual. And so this this exercise we're going to do is is purely that it's spiritual. It's something that we we're making time in the physical. We're pulling away of something that maybe we want or we like. We're saying, God, I'm going to choose to spend time with you more than this thing. The church staff and I are all going to do it for the next 21 days starting, not this Monday, but next Monday. We're going to run right through into up until February 1st. I want to challenge you to do it with us. Maybe you spend this week praying and asking God, what's the thing that you need to fast? Maybe you do the Daniel fast with us. Maybe you just fast lunch. Maybe you fast social media. Maybe you fast TV. I think that's something that only God can tell you what it is. But Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, and when you fast, I, w- I want to stop there. It's, it's kind of one of those things where it's, he doesn't say when you decide to fast or if you fast. He says, when you fast. When I read this this past week, I was kind of convicted because this is not something that we've done a whole lot as Coastline. He says, when you fast, he says, don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. Doing this is not about feeling miserable or being miserable around your family. If you just turn grumpy from doing this, that's not the reason for it. So to tell you the truth, if you do it for other people, that's the only reward you will ever get. But when you fast, he says, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And when your father who sees everything sees it, he will reward you. This is something between you and God. Doesn't mean you gotta be miserable about it. This is just something between you and him. You're saying, God, I'm gonna deny myself. I'm gonna honor you. I'm gonna choose you instead of this. And so I wanna I want you to pray about it here this next um, this next week. And starting next Monday, we're gonna do this all together as a church. Last thing I want to leave you with this. Um, in my hand, I've got these communion elements. This is something you could have picked up on your way in the door today. Some of you might have already taken it during worship, but I want to tell you that, that that's okay. Since we started Coastline, this is something we've done every week. I can't remember a week that we haven't done it. But as I prepared this series and as I prayed about it, I felt like this is something that had become a ritual at Coastline. And if I can be transparent just myself, I felt like at some point I I lost the heart of the reason why we do this. As I started to study and read about it, this wasn't something that happened weekly. Even when Jesus did it with his disciples, it was a very special occasion, and it was in the Passover feast. And the reason that they would have these things is because it represented what would be uh, the, the, 
the lamb that had been slaughtered year, decades and decades before when the Israelite people were in Egypt. It says that they, they took a bit of the blood, the lamb's blood, and they put it above and around the doorways of the houses of the Israelite people. And so when the angel of death came, that they passed over those houses because of the sacrifice that was made. And so Jesus, when he's doing this with his disciples, when he says, this is my blood, which will be spilt for you. This is my body that will be broken. Do this in remembrance of me. I think what he's saying is, he said, because of me, if you follow me, there's a better way. No longer was it a, the covenant where you had to go and slaughter a lamb to take on the weight of the sin that you, sins that you had made throughout the years. He says, I already know what you did. I love you enough that I'm paying the price. So as a church, we're going to adjust something. This is something that we're going to do not every week. It's something that's going to be available to you. If it's, if it's meaningful to you during worship times, you can grab it and you can take communion yourself. But for us as a, as a church, this is something I want to teach on more. This is something I want to make a little bit more special than what it's been week in and week out. says that as he got his disciples together in the upper room as they shared this Passover feast, a celebration of deliverance, of breakthrough from the bondage of the Egyptians. He said he broke the bread. He said, this is my body. It should be broken for you. And I think about it as we take it today and as I even break it in my hands before I take it. Because of what Jesus has done as I choose him, I can experience the breakthrough in my own life. And so with this, we remember his body that was broken. The communion element of juice represents life that was given. And Jesus says as they he passed around a cup of wine. He says, this is my blood which will be spilt for you. This is my life that I'm giving so you can live free. So as we take this, remember the price that was paid for us to experience spiritual freedom. Jesus, I thank you so much for all you've done for us. I thank you that we're going into this season of breakthrough in 2023. I pray that as we start out this year and giving up of the things that we love, the things that we like, as we use that time to continue to pursue you, I pray that spiritually you would charge us and prepare us and make us ready for the breakthrough that you have in our lives. I pray that this year we wouldn't receive a new us, but that we would just experience life a better way as we choose to live out the actions that you've called us to live out, to love those around us, to speak in grace and mercy, to give generously. I thank you so much for what's to come, and I thank you for the season that we're going into. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.